one knows how to play poker. 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 But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. 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 This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts, Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. And welcome once again, everybody, to another edition of Poker Action Line. Uh, last week we had Jesse Hollander from the Best Bet Jacksonville card room uh, as they hosted the WPT event. It finished up yesterday. We're doing the show here on a Wednesday, and it finished up on Tuesday. Uh, Sam Panzika, the winner, and uh, Sam's having a great year, did very well, won an aisle tournament earlier this year that I was at, and... Uh, he blew me off for an interview. I, I do remember that very vividly. But uh, besides that, he's having he's a great year. He's made your list now, huh? He's well, made your well, list. Yeah, what can you do? You, you just kind of understand that some guys are really uh, kind of nervous and uh, don't want to talk about their exploits. But uh, Sam's a good player, and uh, we had a very interesting tournament that concluded yesterday. 379 players uh, played in this uh, $5,000 buy-in event on the World Poker Tour, and, of course, we'll get a chance to see some of the final table uh, next uh, spring sometime when it uh, airs on this season of the WPT shows uh, on Fox Sportsnet or uh, wherever they carry them in your area. But I uh, just wanted to talk a little bit about the tournament because it's a very interesting final table, uh, which was played out on Tuesday. On uh, Monday night, they finished up, and just wanted to give you some of the top 25 finishers. Um, Garrett Greer finished 20th. Byron Coverman was 19th. Mad Marvin, uh, Marvin Rettenmeyer, 18th. Uh, Richard Kirsch, a local guy here from South Florida, finished in 12th. Jake Schwartz was 9th. And the bubble boy was T.K. Miles, a uh, big Florida State fan who uh, has played in a lot of tournaments down here. He finished in 7th. So they came back for the final day. And uh, chip leader was... Uh, Richard Malone, well, actually, Richard Malone and Sam Panzika both had uh, right around 2.95 million chips. Uh, but some interesting players, including uh, the, one of the great stories, was that Tyler Patterson was at that final table. He won it last year. And Noah Schwartz was at the final Who's table. won it before? He won it four years ago. Uh-huh. So, uh, you know, the first question, Joe, I guess, is, when you travel all over the country and you play in these different poker rooms, when you show up at a room where you've done well before, does that immediately give you a little bit of an advantage on some of the other players? Well, it's got to give you good karma, correct? I mean, <laughs> you're going in there, you know you've already done well there, you've taken down a main event there. So I guess your mindset gets put in a very good place as opposed to places where you've taken bad beats where all of a sudden you start thinking, hey, what else is going to go wrong at this place? And the opposite here, you're thinking... Hey, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna. You know, I'm just gonna follow the flow and 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 get my way to the final table. We've had look at that two two people out of the final six that had already won the event. Well, I don't know if you've gone to any of these uh, WPT uh, shows uh, being taped and and uh, seen what goes on, but obviously there's lots of lights and uh, decorations, and of course the Royal yeah. Flush girls are there and Matt Savage, and then on the side you have the desk where uh, Mike Sexton and Vince Van Patten are doing their thing. There's an elevated table where Lynn Gilmartin is taping some of her stuff. And it's a really an interesting setup. But as a player who's not used to getting in some of these things, I would think that it might be a little intimidating. I'm sure it is the first time for you. It's got to be very intimidating to, to see all the lights and then to know that some of your opponents are very comfortable around this scenario because they've been there before. So that's got to add added pressure to you. But, uh, you know, when it's all said and done, you know, the, 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 you, you sit down at the table and you realize uh, that, hey, it's the same size table I played <laughs> on the day before, same cards, some of the same dealers, and... You better you better be able to calm down your nerves to be able to play right. Well, you know, they tell you how to dress. They tell you what things you cannot wear, uh, certain patches. Uh, I've seen them actually uh, put black tape over a Phillies logo on a, on a hat that uh, I think it was Paul Volpe was wearing one time. Uh, so there's certain things that they do not want uh, you to wear. There's certain things that look better on, on screen. They don't really tell you how to dress, but they, they kind of give you uh, some parameters. But anyway, you got to show up like, 
like a couple hours in advance, at least two, three hours in advance of the show. And they they tape interviews. They get everything set up. They're putting all the lights up. And all of a sudden they open the gates where the people, your friends are coming in. Your rail is, is there to cheer you on. And, of course, with the six players, everybody has a bunch of fans there, depending on uh, who's at the table. Uh, so imagine this, you know, they finally get ready to go, and, and there's been lots of uh, falderall and, and things before they get started. They sit down, they deal the first set of cards, and the local player, Paul Bolzano, who uh, is from down here in South Florida, uh, gets knocked out on the very first hand with Pocket Kings. Yeah, but the bad part is not losing with Pocket Kings, it's losing to a King-Queen, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, the guy had King-Queen. And uh, I guess uh, there was a jack and a ten on the uh, t- on the flop, and he got the nine on the river to give him the straight. So uh, imagine all the setup and all the excitement, maybe having trouble sleeping the night before, sitting down and getting knocked out on the first hand. Well, listen, it happens. It's poker. It happens. But. It's poker. It, it really happens. I I I think it's worse what happened with uh, what's his name, the gentleman who made the final nine two years in a row. To get knocked oh, out, uh, in, Mark. Uh, 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 you'll forgive me that I can't remember yeah, I can't his name remember now. Either. We're but getting old, Joe. Yeah, I'm telling you. They say the mind's the first, second thing to go. I can't remember the first, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, you know that's that same scenario. It wasn't the first hand. Mark but Newhouse. Mark Newhouse. There it Sorry. is. And I apologize. Yeah, I'm not completely all gone. We sh- we should have definitely kept that name in in our hearts. So <laughs> okay, but uh, you know, you get knocked out like that. Yeah, it really has to suck on that first hand, but. What are you going to do? There isn't anybody. There isn't anybody in the poker world that's not, not going to play kings the way they have. And not only that, to look at your opponent have a king queen in his hand, not even a, a lonely ace that they may hit a three outer on you. You know, this guy had to get two queens or the scenario that occurred. So it sucks, but yeah. as you said, it's well, I got a poker. chance to talk to some of his people at the uh, Seminole Hard Rock Poker Open back in August because he went to the final two tables area. I don't believe he made the final table if I can remember but he was very close if he didn't but uh, certainly had a great tournament I talked to some of his people there very nice people and uh, so he gets knocked out anyway Noah Schwartz got knocked out in fifth place and uh, the guy doing all the beating is uh, is Mr. Malone uh, Richard Malone Jr. who is uh, not a professional I looked at his uh, results career results there's nothing on and there. and you're still waiting to see something right <laughs> <laughs> well he's got something nice on there now but <clears throat> But uh, he's one of those guys that gets in one of these tournaments and, you know, probably doesn't even expect to make it out of day one. And all of a sudden he's playing there on television on the final table. And it's like a dream come true. And listen, I haven't seen it at the WPT, but representing PPC Poker Tours, I've been to see final tables. And it, it is funny how sometimes, you know, one particular person at the final table just gets on that run and they're the ones that are just knocking everybody out. Yeah, it's unbelievable. You know, usually it leads to them winning the tournament because they're accumulating so many chips along the way. But I have seen where I remember this one lady just knocked out like five out of the top ten people in the final table, and she wound up getting knocked out fourth, fourth because she was just catching every single card she could. And then she didn't. And then she didn't, exactly. Uh, If you want to know how Noah Schwartz got knocked out, he had uh, king-queen also. And uh, got it in uh, all in before the flop, and uh, Malone had ace king, so that holds up. Uh, Tyler Patterson, who uh, was trying to defend his title, got knocked out at the same hand as Ankush Mandavia. Uh, Mandavia got it all in with pocket tens. Patterson had pocket kings, and Malone called with ace queen. Of course, the ace on the turn. Just the single ace, like I said. Yeah. Got him there. So uh, so now they go to head-to-head play, and it's Sam Panzeca against Richard Malone. And Malone has about a 2-to-1 chip lead, builds it up to a 5-to-1 chip lead, but Panzeca comes back and wins the tournament. Yeah, I even read, I had read somewhere where Panzeca was down to almost almost more than 5-to-1 at one point in the tournament, and came back and uh and takes it well you know listen uh Pansica is the is is the pro yeah the more experienced player and you know again without seeing his plays I don't know if he got lucky like Malone did uh in in those two hands uh, particular hands there but um you know it is what it is but I heard they played heads up for a long long, long, long time. time eventually Pansica uh you know Pulled even, then took the lead, and the final hand, Malone was down to 10 big blinds, uh, went all in with ace-three, and Panzeca had king-nine, 
but uh, there was a nine on the turn, king on the river, and that was it. And that's all she wrote, as they say. So uh, Panzeca wins it, 354000 for first place. Richard Malone, biggest payday of his career. Uh, probably biggest payday of the last 10 years combined. <laughs> uh, 237000 he wins there. Uh, Mandavia was third, 152 k Tyler Patterson, 100 k which is weird because you get knocked out on the same hand. He won 52000 more than the... You know. Yeah, well, you know why, right? Because the because other the gentleman had more chips, right, so... That doesn't seem right, but oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> if you had those extra fifty-two thousand in chips or whatever the chips count was, you'd want that extra fifty-two thousand. Yeah, I'm sure you would. Uh, Patterson wins a hundred k. Noah Schwartz seventy-seven thousand. Paul Bozzano, uh sixty-four k. So that's a, a great tournament. Another uh, well-run tournament and uh, marred a bit by the storm, which uh, put off a few events. But as Jesse talked about last week. They worked really hard, and you can imagine how much it was to put this together with the TV crew there and getting everything set up after just a week before Hurricane came uh, rushing through your town. Yeah, I'm telling you, it's not easy, but, you know, Jesse and, and, and Deb up there, they, they have a great crew up there also, and, you know, they're, they're, they're professionals. That's why, that's why Best Bet is what, is what they are in the state of Florida. Exactly. So uh, th- we thank him for joining us last week to give us a preview, and there's your recap of the event. And uh, that obviously will be on TV later in the year. What's going on here in South Florida? Well, we got we're in the middle of the uh, Isle Open uh, series over at the uh, Isle Casino in Pompano Beach, and that main event starts on October 27th. And we will also be looking at a couple of big tournaments over at the Seminole Hard Rock, including the Rock and Roll Poker Open, which uh, gets underway. Um, mid, I think, the 16th of November, and then the main event will be uh, November 25th. But before that, uh, we'll take a look at the uh, WSOP circuit up at West Palm Beach. And I want to talk about that a little bit because not exactly the tournament. We uh, we definitely have an article coming up on that in Antium Magazine. But, uh, you know, this has been obviously a great success for them. Uh, I stopped in there the other day on the way back from uh, Orlando. And, uh, in fact, I stopped at the Melbourne uh, room, first time I'd ever been there, just to check it out on a Sunday afternoon with NFL games on the sets and Eh, not that crowded, maybe four or five tables going. But uh, I got a chance to see that, and then I said, well, you know, hey, I'm going right by uh, Palm Beach uh, Kennel Club, so I'm going to stop in and see what's going on. And I decided, you know, hey, why don't I, I think I'll play for a little bit at a cash game table. How'd you do? One, two. Well, it was really an eye-opening adventure, uh, because I bought in for $100, you're not used to playing cash. No, you I'm not. And you know, so I, people I, know that. it's kind of scared money for me anyway. So I sat down in this table, and the style of play just blew me away. These guys, you know, the, someone had mentioned to me, yeah, there's some soft tables out there for sure. But it's players that are not good but are super ultra-aggressive. Well, yeah, that's why they're saying they're soft players, because once you know the the locals, you know that these guys are – pushing with terrible hands you know unfortunately you don't know that yeah and it's very uncomfortable for someone who's not used to playing in a cash game like yourself and then you know if you don't have a, a wide open pocketbook uh for to play this style of games you know it, it does get intimidating because it feels like you can't play a hand i would have bet there's one guy went all in uh with about probably had about 250 dollars in front of him went all in and with deuce four <laughs> Listen, I like I said on this show before, I've seen somebody push in almost $2,200 on a Deuce 9 offsuit after two people had already gone all in. Well, it's just crazy because he had two guys behind him still to play when he went all in. And it's just, uh, to me, it's just Now, ignorant. obviously, you saw a showdown because yeah. he had to have seen that 2-4. Yeah. Now, did he win with the 2-4? No, four? he didn't. He didn't. And he uh, he was gone a couple of hands late. I actually beat him on a hand. I had I had 10-8 offsuit, and this was in the very beginning when I really wasn't realizing what was happening at the table. But, uh, you know, I picked up a 10, and, and I, I had seen enough to know that this guy was playing – with some real crap. So I was able to isolate him, and uh, I went all in. Well, I only had about probably $80 in front of me on the table, but I went all in. Uh, he called you. And, and he did. He actually folded on the, on oh, the river. Oh, did he? Yeah. So did he you was ha- had you hit something? I had hit a pair on the, on the flop, the top pair on the flop. And, uh, you know, I was able to 
play it aggressively enough to where he figured I might have had something. I'm sure he had nothing when it got down to the river. Yeah, was, so yeah. I, I picked up a little bit. So I uh, that was the only hand I won in about, I played about 10 hands, and I just said, you know, this is, to me, this is so stressful and above my level that I got up and left. So I ended up winning $30, I think, you know. But, but it wasn't a fun experience. It wasn't fun for me. I don't, I don't find that fun to play when, when people are just I personally money you don't, out of the I table. personally don't like that either because I think it takes the skill. They're, they're, these are people that don't have any skill to play poker for the most part. And, you know, they're trying to steal blinds or they're just trying to get lucky because they have a larger bankroll. I mean, and I don't like playing poker myself like that. This is something of the new people, you know, where, the, where they do this. Now... Granted, you know, I know a lot of people that have very deep pockets that play poker like that. And these, you know, these young superstars down here go chasing these guys. Because they just keep folding and folding and folding until they pick up a premium hand. And then they decide, okay, well, this is a hand I'm going to do battle with. Well, remember, this is a 1-2 table. Uh, You know, and this is in the very beginning, I had ace-queen. I had ace-queen suited, Okay. Okay. So uh, a couple guys called the, the two dollars. I raised to seven. The guy behind me raises to twenty. Uh, it comes around the table. Some other guy go raise, raises to uh, eighty, and you know I got to give up the hand, obviously, and because I whiffed the flop. And uh, without knowing the crowd, I don't know whether yeah. that was a good or a bad move. Whether, well, I, whether it, you it was had, after the flop, whether I you had guys that are playing in combination, because when I see constantly see, and now if something like that was happening. You understand? You you were the new blood uh, and the new money on the table. So you know, listen. Unfortunately, in my years, I've seen where they take advantage of new people coming in, especially if they seem I timid. Seem I if, see, especially if they seem timid, they want to see what they have. You know, if you had turned around and gone all in at that point with your ace queen, I guarantee you, one of them would have folded, if not both of them. Yeah. Because they might have put you on a very, on a, you know, on aces or kings. Well, I don't want to color the room, uh, you know, as like this is the way everybody there plays, because I'm sure you can find tables there where it's pretty, un, but uh, pretty this straightforward. But seems to be the norm in a lot wow, of places. It, it's incredible. It really was, and it was uncomfortable to me. So I got up, I cashed out, and left. Uh, of course, I'm heading back from Orlando, and I didn't want to spend a bunch of time there if I'm not having fun, so I immediately got out of there. So I don't want to say you can't have fun there because it's a very nice room. Well, remember, to some people, this is great action. They yeah. love seeing people yeah. throw their money around. Uh, what, 250 with a 2-4? Yeah, I'd love to see you got guys shoving all in for $100, $150, going back in their pocket, pulling out another 100 and it's just like, like, I like said, the money doesn't mean anything They're not anything playing to them. poker. They're gambling. Yeah. That's what they're doing. They're not playing poker. They're strictly gambling, seeing if they get four or five people in a hand, they get lucky, jackpot, bingo, hey, <laughs> my, my, my two, whatever two cards I played won me a six, $700 pot. What you don't know is if these guys are going to get up right after that. My guess is these are people that, you know, want the adrenaline rush that yeah. comes with playing poker and putting that kind of money in there and, and winning with an inferior hand, you know. That's not the way I grew up playing poker. You know, I, I wanted to try to get my money in there. You know, but that's give credit to the young players of today that have. They, it seems like that's their game to bad players, yeah. but that's not really their game. They're pushing hands to to elicit a response from some of these bad players. So eventually, they're going to get their money in there when they're like a you know a four to one favorite. You're going to lose every now yeah, and then, but exactly. hey, on the day that the four one la- uh, holds up every single hand, you're going to you're going to walk away with you know two, three, four, five thousand dollars, if not more. Okay, well, we'll talk about a few things happening. Uh, Joe got a chance to watch a little bit of the World Series. Yeah, uh, I'd love to comment on that when we'll we talk come about back. Uh, Mr. Kasuf and some of that. I, I'm a little bit behind in the show, so we haven't watched the same right, program. This but, is a rarity. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, let's take our first break in the show. We'll tell you about Gulfstream Park, located in Hallandale Beach which is uh, on the southern part of Broward County, uh, kind of like right in the center of South Florida, if you, if you want to call it that. Uh, if you're in Dade, you go a little bit north, you go past the, into Broward County, and it's right there, Hallandale Beach Boulevard exit, first one in Broward County, if you're coming up from the south. Or you can go from uh, West Palm Beach or, or any places there, and easy to get to. You get off on Hallandale Beach Boulevard, you head east toward the ocean, and before you get to the beaches, it's right there. You'll see the 110-foot statue of Pegasus, and uh, a beautiful facility, a uh, very large facility with a shopping complex and dining restaurants throughout. 
and of course the uh, main track which is located right there the grandstand and the clubhouse and there's uh, two casinos the second floor casino and the first floor called the Finish Line Casino, and that's where the poker room is, in the back side of that room. So you check it out. Uh, you walk into the breezeway, head to the right, go to the back of the uh, first floor casino, and uh, sign up for your table there. And uh, uh, never felt intimidated there like I felt at, <laughs> at the Kennel Club, but uh, I guess that's, that's just the way it goes. That's because you never played at Miami Highline. <laughs> well, I have played at Miami Highline, and I do know that there's some maniacs there, but uh, this was just... Crazy push them without any cards, uh, just right from the start. That's and gamble. It's, just, it's like, you know, yeah. hey. So uh, I don't know if I'll be uh, playing cash anywhere soon, but I, I enjoy the tournaments, and they have them nightly at 7 p.m. So that's the kind of thing I like to get into and limit my losses and uh, and go for it at the tournament table. So 7 p.m. is the tournament uh, time. You check it out, and if you show up a little bit late, you still get in the tournament. But they have different buy-ins, different uh, amount of chips to start the uh, game with, and uh, you know different uh, different games. Mainly hold them six nights a week. On Wednesdays they have a PLO tournament. So if you want the information, call the poker room. Check it out nine five four four five seven six three three six. You can also ask them about their uh, loyalty rewards program, which is special. And if you are looking for a regular place to play cash, uh, that's a good place to earn a lot of. Uh, Gulfstream swag, free play on the slots, uh, food and beverage items, and uh, you know it, you, you might as well earn something if you're there spending your time there. So check it out once again. Give them a call nine five four four five seven six three three six. Gulfstream Park is located at nine zero one South Federal Highway in Hallandale Beach. Gulfstream, welcome to your playground. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, you can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration, and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. So, you know, I'm a dog, and I'm kind of new to this family, but I've noticed a trend. My humans do this thing where they go around and get all my toys and hide them in this basket, but it's always the same basket, and it's always the same place, and then they act so surprised when I find them, but I'm like, hello, that's where you put it last time. Humans are the worst at hide-and-go-seek. A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the ShelterPetProject.org. Do you like poker? Poker Action Line. Do you like poker? Poker Action Line. Poker Action Action Poker Action Poker Action Poker Action Line. Poker Action Line. And that's what you're listening to. We do the show here in South Florida, and uh, very happy to say that uh, my partner Joe Rodriguez uh, has been hired at one of the local poker rooms and uh, is going to be dealing cards once again. First time in how long? Oh, good Lord, and dealing cards? 
since 94. 94, wow. That was the last time I dealt it's cards. like riding a bike, though. That I dealt cards legally. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> you have I plenty of experience in... Uh, did they give you a test, or uh, no, it wasn't really listen, necessary because you knew I, the guy? I, I was very lucky because the gentleman who runs the poker room, the poker room manager, the director there is at Dania Beach. At the casino at Dania Beach, Highlight, which is uh, which used to be a competitor for us at Miami Highlight. Um, their poker room manager and poker director is uh, Elio Molina, and uh, you know I had the pleasure of training that young man 19 years ago wow. when he was learning to become a dealer, and uh, you know I hired him right out of that that training program. He worked for me there. He left to become a supervisor at another casino, another poker room, and uh, you know great guy, great poker dealer. I mean Elio was one of the best, and. Um, Got his opportunity now to run the poker room at Dania, and uh, I'm very grateful and very appreciative that he's uh, given me a shot to come back because it's actually what I really want to do, Dave. I just want to deal. I, I, I do whatever Elio asks me to do over there, but you know, I had my run as manager, had my run as a you know supervisor prior to that. Uh, I've always enjoyed training people, which I've done up till recently. And now I just like getting behind the table again. And yeah, I know it. you've wanted to do it, and uh, we've talked about it before on the show that you've had such a long bit of experience as a manager that, you know, uh, I guess that people are wary to hire somebody with a lot of experience and a lot of professional ability uh, that maybe someday they might take their job. So uh, you got to give this guy some credit that he has uh, shown some loyalty to you for the job you did training I him years ago. I told him I've I've already expressed to him uh, verbally and text and every possible way that I can uh, that I'm you know extremely appreciative of what he's done and grateful for what he's done, allowing me to get back into it for one, allowing me to make some money at doing this and helping my family. And you're right, Dave. I mean, it was so funny back in '97 when when I was training the people and I was eventually to become the poker room manager and less than a year later the director and you know, run the whole thing in the poker room over there. The guy who brought me up to that, Jeff Ward, who had been the director at the Seminole Classic, and I ran his school, and he was actually the director who hired me to train, told me, he goes, Joe, the one thing I will tell you is um, if you stay manager for more than three years, you're going to have a very difficult time getting a job at any of the local casinos because no one wants to hire anyone that could take their job. Right. And I understand that. He he actually got upset with me when I was looking to hire a guy who had a ton of experience. Of course, you took his job. I wound actually, I even <laughs> read him his letter of termination because, but he was expecting it. Yeah. Because at that time we were, we thought the high limits that are in place now were going to be in place back then. He told me he goes, if we don't get high stakes in the next six seven months, they're going to have to get rid of me, and they'll probably promote you. That's exactly what happened. And and you know the funny part, Dave, is that you know. Uh, he got upset with me when I went to hire this gentleman who had a ton of experience. I thought he'd be great for the room. And he goes, what are you, crazy? You want to hire this guy? This guy could take your job. Now, here's how my thinking goes. I go, I go, Jeff, if I can't do the job, somebody else is going to take my job regardless. Yeah. I go, he goes, well, you're going to make it easier if you put somebody here. And I said, well, whether I make it easier or not, I said, I want someone who can help me run this room, who can make the room better. A great job. That's how I've always yeah. thought. Unfortunately, since I got let go, Jeff words have been very, you know, uh, <laughs> prophetic because I have seen how no one has returned my calls. People that I have called out, reached out to, who I help get jobs, who I help family members, friends, anybody that they've asked me to. I've gotten many people jobs, and none of these people, when I've asked them for help... For years, even, for the last e several yeah, years, right? Have, they haven't even returned my calls. Well, for those that uh, don't know much about uh, the Dania facility, it is located on Dania Beach Boulevard, and it is right off Federal Highway also up in Dania Beach, which is just a little bit south of the airport. So it's the closest facility right to my uh, Fort Lauderdale Hollywood International yep. Airport. Uh, they did a, a cre complete redo and were closed for over a year after having opened the casino and, and put some machines in. Uh, they still have highlight there, but there's a big red wall. There's only five rows uh, of in seats. front of, of seats by the court. 
everything behind the wall is a, is a first floor casino, and then the poker room is up on the second floor, yep. along with uh, a nice sports bar area. Uh, they I really did a nice job. It's beautiful. Yeah, they, the they have con- they have concerts there. Yep. there. I know that Sticks is coming there, and they've had Foreigner and and some big shows there. Uh, Ralphie May and I'm hoping and, to see uh, Joe Coy. I'm hoping to see Joe Coy uh, come November fourth. Yeah, fifth. that's the next big show there. Anyway, we'll be talking about some of the stuff that goes on there, but uh, it's a nice little facility. But they have struggled. Let's be honest. Uh, you know, uh, they were the last kid on the block to move into the neighborhood. Uh, they were open for a while. They closed down, so they they have a, had a hard time stealing. Uh, well, not stealing, but attracting business from South Florida away from the other casinos. And uh, the poker room is uh, uh, kind of slow. Uh, what are your thoughts about uh, how many hours you can get and how much money you can make? Well, there's there there. You know, I I spoke with some of my previous employees who are also there today. I, I felt like a reunion because. <laughs> Two supervisors that I had hired at Miami Highlight are working there as dealers, and and uh, they're dual rating as supervisors and dealers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're doing really well with um, some tournaments that they're running on Fridays and Saturdays and Sundays. I believe that's where Elio wants to use me, but I won't know until Friday when I go show right. up over there. Um, Believe it or not, I was told today, this is a shocker for me, there's a 20-47 card stud game going on there uh, once or no. twice a week. Yeah. Wow, wow. Yeah, and I can't, I ho- hopefully I'll get the opportunity to deal in that game, because it's been a while since I've dealt seven card stud, and I love it. I love I loved playing seven card stud, so um, they also have, um, they, they uh, one of my like I said, one of my past supervisors told me that most of the players were there. I didn't see them, but he says they were there. Uh, they seem to get up a uh, 10, 11, 12-hour pot-lip PLO game uh, that goes, like I said, that goes for 11, 12 hours all day. That's supposedly very strong there, uh, that they've been getting up five, six days out of the week. So, listen, yes, they are struggling, I would imagine, a little bit. You know, their numbers aren't showing the numbers that they want to show right now, but they are they are right in the They're heart of the it. lions den you know yeah. they've got yeah. they've got uh, mardi gras gulfstream you know like just a few miles just, south just of them federal. then 4 or 5 miles west of them you've got the big boy on the block uh you know the Seminole, uh, the hard, Seminole rock. hard rock and then about 10 to 12 miles north you've got the isle and coconut creek those are those are five casinos right there that are within 20 miles. Five, three to 20 miles from them right there. And then not to mention Magic City and Hialeah and, and Dania. Yeah, it's a so, tough market. There's no question. And they are the last people to join the party. So it's going to take them a little while. But, you know, I, I listen, they, you know as well as I do, they did a beautiful job. Yeah, they did. In it's renovating nice. the Dania. Nice. You know, uh, the, you know they, they have complete confidence in Elio as I do. He's, he's, he's a great young mind for this. And, you know, and I'm sure he's developing a great staff there that's that's going to allow them to very soon, you know, compete with the other rooms around them. Well, well right now in October, they have something called the Dania Poker Cup, $150 buy-in, guarantee of $10,000. Uh, the first edition of that was on last Friday, and then they'll do it the next two Fridays, uh, the 21st and the 28th. They also have tournaments uh, Sundays at 1 p.m., 6 p.m., $45 buy-in, very affordable for the uh, up-and-coming young player. Uh, with a thousand dollar guarantee, and on Saturdays also have a forty five dollar tournament at one p.m. So uh, check that out, and uh, I'm sure you'll enjoy it. And say hi to Joe; he's uh, easy to spot. Yeah, you can see me. I'm the <laughs> one with the really fuzzy hair. No, actually, <laughs> I'll be the one with no hair sitting at the table there. No, I'm looking forward to uh, going and playing at your table. So I will do that as well. But uh, congratulations on uh, getting. Thank back you, board. sir. Thank you, and I'd like to once again thank Elio for giving me that opportunity again. Thank you. Absolutely. Uh, other news in the poker world that we want to discuss. Last uh, segment of the show, we'll talk a little. Uh, a little uh, strategy, uh, including uh, about an article by Ed Miller, who's one of our favorite authors that writes in Card Player Magazine, about uh, a pre-flop checklist, which I thought was very interesting. So we'll talk about that. Uh, but some of the news that's going on, uh, and this was uh, kind of uh, surprising and uh, kind of understandable at the same time. The two uh, inductees for the Poker Hall of Fame were named this week. 
And they are the one we expected, maybe, Carlos Mortensen. Yes, sir. I thought he was a slam dunk. The Spanish Bull. And then Todd Brunson, who is uh, one of our least favorite people. He had to be, <laughs> he had to be a, a, a big surprise to make it, you know, to, to, be, to get inducted. I mean, uh, uh, you know, he, you know he, he meets all the criterias that they need for, to, to make it into the Hall of Fame. But obviously he hasn't had the success that his father has had. Um, I just thought that there may have been a few other candidates that were a little more worthy of the induction this year than Todd, uh, you know. So, but it is what it is. And yeah. Congratulations to to Carlos and Todd for getting I, I into the David, Hall of Fame. I thought David Uliet Devilfish was going to be the one to get in, but he did not. Uh, some other uh, international players uh, that were nominated this year: Chris Bjorn, Umberto Brenes, Bruno Fitusi, Max Fittori, or Max Pescatori, I should say. And then, of course, uh, Eli Alezra, who uh, is not now a U.S. citizen, but uh, uh, I believe was from uh, Israel, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Chris Moneymaker, of course, was nominated. Matt Savage, and they'll have their other opportunities, I'm sure, over the next few years. But the uh, induction ceremony is on uh, October 26th at Binion's, uh, which is one week from today, uh, Wednesday the 26th. And then they will also... Uh, uh, have, well, actually, I, I'm seeing two dates here, the 26th and the 29th. I think it's the 26th, so we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. But uh, they'll have a traditional ceremony and dinner. It will be at 7 p.m. in the Longhorn Room, which was the original location of Benny's Bullpen at Binion's. And, of course, uh, Doyle Brunson will be a proud father there, the first father-son combination to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, that is. He's got to be very proud, and you know, Todd has been a very successful very good, poker player. Very good mixed game player. Yes, yes, he Especially, has. Uh, he just he just doesn't have, as far as we know, the, the <laughs> that aside. You know, obviously the the, the resume that his dad has, but uh, you know, listen, congratulations to him. The voters obviously thought he had he had more than enough to get into the Hall of Fame. So yeah, congratulations. Exactly. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention was the uh, the big one for one drop, which we had been talking about. There's some excitement, a lot of uh, controversy for the fact that uh, Guy Laliberte uh, decided to c- exclude poker pros, and this was kind of surprising because. Uh, some of the big, uh, deep-pocketed uh, amateur players that had played in his events felt like uh, that too many of the pros were backing each other, which, uh, you know, wasn't collusion or anything, but uh, kind of uh, set up a situation where they could play more aggressively because, you know, if they got knocked out, they still had money on one of the other guys. Yeah, exactly, and, and that's never good for poker. Unfortunately, it happens. We read about, but you know, when you're talking about a field of six thousand, it's a big difference to doing that, of you know, four or five people getting a piece of each other, than when you have a field of thirty something, forty something players. You know, it's a huge advantage when when two top stars are are you know looking to get you know whatever percentage they are of each other, and and it's true, you know, on top of that, they're superior poker players to these to the amateurs. You know, the the only thing the amateurs have is that they have pockets probably deeper than the poker players because of their success in the business world. But I think it's a great idea. Well, in the past years, it was part of the uh, World Series of Poker out in Las Vegas at the Rio. And uh, for the first time, they moved it to uh, later in the year. This was uh, over, I guess, Friday night was the tournament uh, last week. And they had moved it to Monte Carlo. So it was in uh, Monaco at uh, the hotel there. And uh, supposedly there was 35 players entered, and each putting up a million uh, euros to play in this event. And they were not big-name players, but, uh, you know, guys that uh, play poker and uh, on, a, on an amateur-type basis with a lot of money. So uh, uh, the surprising thing was that uh, Friday rolled around, and only 26 players showed up. So two players uh, re-entered, including Guy. Guy played in the tournament. Guy La Liberté, and uh, you know there was in the end they allowed four pros to play: uh, Talal Shakerchi, Paul Newey, Andrew Pantling, and Mark Telcher. So uh, they were collected there. Uh, Daniel Negranu was involved. He was there to coach uh, La Liberté in the tournament. A lot of the businessmen had hired some top pros to uh, to play there, and people were asking uh, Negranu about it. And basically, he just said, "Well, 
if Guy wants uh, to let some pros play, well, I guess he can he can do what he wants. But at that point, you know, they would have been down to like 22 players. Right. <clears throat> right. So it's kind of surprising. Anyway, uh, they finished up uh, on Friday night. The winner was uh, Elton Sang. Um, and as you might imagine, a lot of these people you've never heard of, uh, they're not big-name poker pros, but... Uh, uh, Don't they, worry. The people who need to hear about them know who they are. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, he they decided that uh, first place, like in the past, it was like eighteen million dollars. Uh, this turned out to be eleven million one hundred eleven thousand one hundred eleven euros was first place prize money. Elton sang the winner. Uh, Anatoly Gertovoy was second, five point four euro million euros. Rick Salomon was third. Uh, he's uh, an amateur player that uh, is pretty well known because he was in the uh, Paris Hilton sex tape video. Oh, okay. <laughs> very good. And I guess he has gone out with uh, several uh, uh, big name stars, uh, female stars. Uh, James Board was third. They didn't mention him as being a pro. I thought he was a British pro, but uh, anyway, he finished fourth. Kerry Katz was fifth, and Andrew Pantling finished in sixth place. So. Uh, I don't want to say this, uh, what goes around comes around, or karma's a bitch, or whatever we uh, often say about poker, but there was a lot of anger and disappointment, and then the whole thing failed to live up to expectations, except for the fact that they did raise a lot of money for uh, a great charity. Yeah, and which is which is the bottom line. Yeah. Which is the bottom line, but it is a shame that they didn't get a higher amount of that there. Maybe these businessmen who are so for the most part, ruthless in the business world to, to, to you know, uh, earn the, the money that they have, just didn't have the confidence to play in, in the game as they thought they would. Yeah. Uh, this is something that they're going to probably have to rethink in, in the next two, you know. Uh, they're not going to have a, a big one in, at the WSOP next year, are they? Uh, the, uh, usually the they have it every two years. Every two years. So, we'll so it'll happens. be two years from now. And uh, Of course, they did have the smaller event. Yeah, they have the 100,000, 111, you know, yeah. so. But uh, I don't know. This kind of the word of only the businessmen playing in this, I don't know if it was just put out before and we just didn't talk about it. We but did it, talk about it a little bit. But it wasn't ago. a long time. Like, they, they did they, this was this the plan from a year yeah. ago? No, it was this summer they announced it. Okay, uh, I would so say maybe in uh, uh, July or August. It was the so pretty late. You know, you're looking of, at a just a couple were, of months. Were upset, and I'm sure they're even more upset now that they saw that some guys that they play against on a regular basis yeah. uh, got into the tournament. They're going to have to tweak this a little bit, so uh, maybe let half the field of pros. I don't know. I it, or just let nothing but the pros play and let the, these guys uh, well, that back was, them. That was the idea before, but uh, there was just a lot of complaints from the uh, amateur players and said, uh, you know, they just didn't think it was fair and they weren't going to play anymore and uh, there was going to be a huge loss of revenue. Uh, you know, I don't know. It's a tough uh, thing to to hold to uh, when you're putting on these tournaments. But uh, they tried it this year. We'll see what happens if they tweak it next year. But the final hand was uh, pretty interesting. Uh, Gerdevoy, uh had ace five offsuit, and uh, the board uh, the flop was uh, queen tray four, all clubs, and uh, they both checked. Two of hearts came on the turn which gave him the wheel. Right. Unfortunately for him, uh, he went all in and sang, almost beat him to the pot with his call, and uh, he had 6-5 offsuit. Oh, my so God. So that's a tough beat there to lose. Yes, it is. Yes, River it was is. a jack, a meaningless jack, and that was the end. Uh, to. Uh, and the funny thing was, uh, uh, Gertavoy did not have a club, but sang did. So the jack was a club on the river, so if he hadn't... Uh, Hit the straight, he would have hit the flush. He had the flush on the river. So. All right, so it didn't really matter much. didn't really matter. Anyway, that was the way that ended up on Friday. Uh, I'm sure we'll hear lots of conversation this week about it, and uh, we'll probably talk about it again. But uh, uh, a bad taste kind of left in people's mouths, I think. Uh, you know. Well, listen, it, it, like, you, like I said, the bottom line is the charity really you know, benefits from this. They just got to figure out a way to, to to make this work for everybody. Yeah, I, I'm hoping uh, the well, big drop has a big presence in Haiti now with all the problems they've had there, and I'm sure they will. Exactly, and remember, this is likely you're trying to accommodate this for thousands of players. You're looking to accommodate a select few of you know thirty something to forty something people that 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 usually contribute to this this big one. So, 
I think they could come up with it with something for that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, one segment still to come. We'll take our final break of the show. Tell you again about Gulfstream Park and uh, all the great stuff out there. Of course, racing uh, going on right now over at Calder, which is uh, known as Gulfstream West for those who uh, follow the horse racing scene. And uh, you know, you can head back over, and there's no poker now at Calder, so you had got to head back to go play cards. But uh, still. Uh, great situation there as uh, far as uh, the beauty of the place and uh, the great job that they do with their room there. Scott Poole, a good friend of ours, uh, runs that room over there. And Gulfstream has been a sponsor of this program off and on for uh, pretty much almost si- all six years of the program. So we certainly uh, appreciate their support, and it's a place we like to play. They have the nightly tournaments. Of course, they have the big cash games there. There's a great uh, Omaha game if you can get into it. I know uh, some of the local pros play a couple of nights a week there, and you might be able to slide your way into one of those games. But uh, the dealers are good. They're the nice people. And uh, the players there is uh, it's a nice friendly atmosphere, and uh, which I enjoy about the place. Uh, very nice. And uh, if you want, if you like horse racing, of course, right now you won't see it. But uh, when de- December rolls around, you'll have the big season with all the top trainers, jockeys, and horses for uh, about four or five months. Uh, once we get to December, so we'll have more information coming about that. Always some great promotions out there, and of course they have the Village of Gulfstream Park as well. So we're looking forward to uh, continued growth and uh, excitement there uh, under the direction of Frank Stronick. Uh, who has owned the place for many years. Of course, the big uh, auto parts uh, magnet from uh, Toronto has uh, done a great job of building an outstanding uh, place there. And, of course, in the uh, village of Gulfstream Park, a couple great restaurants uh, that are developed by Mr. Stronach, including Frankie's Place, which is a great horse racing sports bar, and also uh, the Adina Bar and Grill, Wine Bar and Grill, which is located right there. A whole list of great uh, restaurants and stores that you ought to check out. It's a big part of South Florida entertainment, and we invite you to head on over there. It's located at 901 South Federal Highway and uh, very easy to get to from all parts of South Florida. If you want information, uh, we'll give you the poker room number, 954-457-6336. But check it out. A lot of great stuff happening there. It's Gulfstream Park. Tell them that Big Dave and Joe sent you over for a day or night of fun. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. A lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean. You can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. Tuesday nights on WFO Radio are all about Nitro. Join Joe at 7 p.m. Eastern each Tuesday night for the live edition of NHRA Tuesday Nitro. Race winners stop by to talk about bringing home the Wally every Tuesday night following NHRA national events. Tony Schumacher. Tony, welcome back. Love being on the show because you usually meant. We did something absolutely amazing. NHRA Nitro is available on demand anytime at WFORadio.com. 
Final segment of the program, Big Dave Lemon, Joe Rodriguez. Don't forget that you can always pick up the show on uh, Stitcher Radio or on the Podfuse podcast page. Go to our website at PokerActionLine.com. Check it out on the uh, Hold'em Radio Network. They do a nice job of promoting our program, and uh, we appreciate us, them carrying the shows uh, on there. And uh, the easiest place, I guess, for people that have a listen to a lot of music and podcasts and that sort of thing is uh, iTunes. You can uh, download it there for free anytime you want. So uh, lots of places to get the show. Uh, I'm headed to Reno this weekend uh, for a college football game. Oh, we got nice Wyoming at Nevada. And uh, I've never been to Reno. Uh, I don't know much I. about it. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I know there's a lot of casinos and card rooms there. Uh, if anybody uh, wants to suggest a place to go, uh, drop me an email. BigDavidPokerActionLine.com is the email address. Send me a note. And, uh, you know, if you want to invite me to your room or uh, you play someplace and you'd like to say hello, uh, I will try to uh, accommodate there. I know I have some free time Friday night and uh, Saturday in the morning. So uh, looking forward to it. haven't really seen much of Reno. I know there's a Harrah's there. And... Uh, uh, I guess that's the biggest room, so we'll check it Make out. Make sure you get a Harris card like I did when I was uh, at both Harris properties in Iowa and Kansas City. For what reason? Not just to use it. They give, they're they generous with some of the things that they give you there, so get a Harris card. Make sure. Even if I don't play? Yeah, you go. just make sure you get a Harris card. There's a lot of kiosks that you could try to get some some you know free swags for certain things. Oh, they're, okay. they're not bad at that. Okay. I'll take that advice. Uh, so that's where I'm headed this weekend, and uh, looking forward to it. Uh, it's a uh, uh, a gambling mecca, probably uh, on a second level from Las Vegas, I guess. Uh, what have you heard about it? Uh, I, like I said, I've been to Vegas many times, but I've never been to Reno or Lake Tahoe, for that matter. I'm yeah, I want to drive over. I want to drive over to Tahoe uh, on Saturday morning and maybe take a walk around. Uh, not around the lake, obviously. It's like 70 miles around the lake. Isn't Tahoe the one that, or is it Reno or Tahoe that goes, it's the biggest little city in the world or something that's there saying? I think that's Reno. That's Reno, right? Like okay. Anyway, uh, certainly we'll look forward to that. But let's get into a little bit of uh, uh, strategy session here and uh, we'll talk about an article by Ed Miller, who we, uh, we enjoy all reading of stuff. His latest book is called The Course, Serious Hold'em Strategy for Smart Players. And... Uh, he helps you uh, master the live no-limit hold'em games that are played in most card rooms around the world. And uh, it starts with a section about uh, how to beat 1-2, $1, no-limit, more, adva- more advanced skills for 2-5 at finally 5-10 games. But uh, he wants to uh, talk about some of the, uh, in this article, he talks about some of the pre-flop advice and that you should have kind of a checklist, uh, which is kind of interesting of course, uh, so many different things happen. It's easy to get off track. He says, if you thought your opponent would fold, maybe a three bet with eight five, maybe called a raise, uh, thinking that uh, it, was, it was a bad player you were up against with king nine offsuit. But he says uh, nearly every play could seem to make sense, but you should have some sort of a plan. Uh, he has six different principles. I'd like to run them down and see what Joe thinks about it. Uh, first principle that he has for uh, this type of game is to play tight. He said, uh, you can alter uh, the mix of hands that you play, but don't stray too far from your basic tendencies. His thought is if, you, if you're out of position, play about 15% of your hands. If you're on the button, play about 35%. And in the cutoff and the low jack, you can uh, choose frequency in between. So he said, the problem with playing way too, way too many hands is that you're often caught with junk after the flop. So uh, in today's game, it's hard to overcome this advantage. So play tight. What are your thoughts? I, I I can't disagree with anything that Ed said there. That's a, that's a great strategy to have, especially when you're coming into a new game that you don't know. This is a strategy that I'm sure you were trying to adapt without having seen the article right. or having read it, and you weren't given that opportunity at Melbourne because of the style of play. Right. Uh, principle number two is uh, to avoid strength. And this is probably easier said than done, but it is probably also easier no. in one-two limit than it is in some of the bigger games with more uh, high limit, high uh, talented players. If you pay attention, I don't think it's that difficult to do. What happens is a lot of people can't get away uh, from calling a, somebody who took a raise, you know, who hasn't raised in a long time. So you know that this person, every time you've seen them turn over cards, have had good cards. 
They've, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're playing premium hands. So they're kind of easy to play against, Dave, you know. Okay. If you're in a hand and you take a raise with, with pocket tens and this guy pushes very hard, somebody maybe else some re-raises you, you know, uh, uh, and then he comes over the top, I, it, for me it's very simple to throw those pocket tens or pocket jacks away because this guy has folded almost every hand. Now he's got two raisers in front of him and he's going all in. That that to me tells me it's usually just one hand. So well, to me, it's easy to get away from. He says if uh, someone r- rarely raises, and then they do raise a hand, he said you really should assume that they're strong and react accordingly. Uh, of course, we're not talking about Florida players here. <laughs> no. But uh, he said, you know, uh, he said one of the big mistakes that a lot of players make is that they don't take their opponents' raises pre-flop uh, seriously, and. Uh, Especially re-raises, so you got to look at that and uh, not you know play what, crazy. You know what gets you into trouble there is you know your opponent has a strong hand. You decided to call with, let's say, a king-jack, and the board comes king-high, and now you're, you talk yourself into continually calling his bets because you're saying, well, you know, I don't believe he's got that ace-king, and sure enough, at the end of the, 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 you know, when the river comes and showdown comes down, he turns over ace king and you're and you're you know you're sucking wind with the king jack right. and and you just didn't want to believe him and I think that's what Ed is addressing there that you know if it's a regular player who plays loose and crazy I'm going to probably lose that money with the king jack you're going to have to show it to me but you know a strong player eventually you have to give him credit either that or it's going to be an expensive lesson at the table Principle three is the opposite of uh, avoiding strength, and that is attacking weakness. Uh, makes a lot of sense, of course. Uh, he says that basically one, two players play way too many hands, and uh, that you know when they're not uh, raising, they're just calling uh, on the flop or before the, or pre-flop. He said this is a time when you realize that they probably don't have a whole lot, and you need to start making your own raises. And that just, you know, it's it's like the old joke of one out of three people are ugly, and you look to the right, and that person isn't ugly, and you look to the left, that person isn't ugly. Well, then guess who the ugly person is? Well, <laughs> that's the same th- concept with the weak player. You know, if if if, if you look, you know, you, you've got to identify the weak player. And, you know, it's not telling us anything new there that other people haven't said before, but you definitely want to attack the weak player, especially in position. Uh, so he says, be aggressive when your opponents don't tag themselves with strength pre-flop. Uh, principle number four, don't try to make hands. He says, is, uh, making straights and flushes and the trips is not how you win. He said, you may may think, wow, if I can stay in this hand with a suited hand, catch a flush, then everybody else thinks that way too, and that's not the, really the way to think. Uh, he said, if your opponents are limping, they're probably weak, and you probably should attack them with a raise if your hand isn't so great. But if you're playing a hand thinking, this is a good play because if I miss, I can get away from it, you're probably thinking wrong. This is losing logic. Yeah, he's trying to tell you that, hey, you know, you're, you're already giving yourself an excuse to get away from a hand instead of figuring out, thinking to yourself, how am I going to, you know, how am I going to win with this hand regardless of what the flop is. Play hands that can win in many different scenarios, he says. Uh, principle five is choose hands that have equity when called. He says uh, a hand like eight seven suited is better than a hand like ace four offsuit. Uh, he said the real value of ace seven suited is that it hits a wide range of flops, ensuring you have some equity, and a hand like this will be one of your best bluffing options. So uh, if you think you'll be able to play aggressively on a wide range of flops and turn cards, it's a good sign you have a hand worth playing. Very true. Once again, I mean, I, I, there's very little I'm going to even dispute with Ed Miller's, uh, you know, his strategy here. And, again, just going back to your experience this, this past weekend, is that's something that you, you know, that you want to uh, uh, apply in a normal game. You know, uh, Ed Miller's talking about normal people playing normal poker, and and that's great strategy for that. In these crazy games, you know, two-suited connector cards may be something that you really want to chase because of the amount of people that are in the hand. But, again, that's that's a different strategy for a different style of game. And the sixth and final principle is defend blinds against steals, not strong raises. He said this is uh, probably one of his most important points. He said, uh, 
you know, it's basically going back to the uh, avoiding strength and attacking weakness. But uh, he said, you know, a lot of people just feel obligated to play from the blinds because of the odds that you're getting on the pot. Uh, but when stacks are relatively deep, he says, uh, the immediate odds aren't as important as how the hand will play after the flop. So uh, when your opponent makes a big raise, it's likely to be a strong hand. Don't worry about defending your blind. Uh, he said, on the other hand, when your opponent makes a raise that you think is likely to be a steal, defend with lots of re-raises and calls. You don't want opponents to run over your blinds when they have junk. So, again, avoid strength, attack weakness. Even if your blind hand is a little junky, you can usually win with junk versus junk if you uh, plan for it. Yeah, and, and the big thing there, Dave, is to recognize which is a strong raise and which is a weak raise. And, you know, and then play accordingly, obviously, according to Ted Miller there. And, and that's, you know, that's pretty much sound strategy, you know, basic, you know, the, the top pros always take advantage of that. They, they'll understand. I mean, you know, in the past, it used to be an automatic raise from the big blind. I mean, from the button, if everyone folded around to you into the blinds and then, People would strategize that, oh, you've got to push, push back at him. And he's just letting you know, hey, listen, take into account who's, who's trying to steal from you and the amount of the raise. And I wish he would have addressed that a little bit, too, as to, you know, what he thinks would constitute a strong raise as to opposed to a weak raise if they're, if they're raising the same amounts of money. Yeah. You know, then you have to recognize which is which and then act accordingly. Uh, his final thought was that uh, good pre-flop play is necessary but not sufficient to win at live no-limit hold'em. He said, for the most part, you know, he said, despite the fact that everybody uh, talks about, well, if I just stay in the hand, I can outplay him after the flop. But he said, uh, you're setting yourself up to create bigger edges later in hands uh, if you have a solid pre-flop strategy. Yeah, I, you know, listen, can't argue with any of his points there, there. That's why we enjoy reading him so much. Yeah. And, you know, that's why he's such a great writer and, and, and very successful at the tables. Uh, the article is on uh, the uh, October 11th, I guess, edition of uh, Card Player Magazine. Uh, it's called Poker Strategy with Ed Miller, the Pre-Flop Checklist. And uh, you can check out his book, The Course, which is Serious Hold'em Strategy for Smart Players. It came out in 2015. Check that out. Really a good read. And uh, invite people to uh, to do that. I do want to get Ed on the show. I really would like to. Uh, do you know, that, so. you know, that's that's you're not going to get an argument from me there. Yeah, should be fun if we can do that. Anyway, that's going to do it for tonight's show. Uh, certainly, we'll be keeping an eye on. We didn't get a chance to get to the World Series of Poker stuff after I finally watch a show. Well, you watch it, watch it, watch another one, and I'll catch well, up. I'm, and then we'll I'm be, hoping uh, I can see the next one. I, I definitely want to see it. I, you told me I could catch it on demand on, on Comcast, yeah. so yeah. I definitely want to see that because I definitely need to see the reaction that Kasuf has when he finally gets eliminated. And I, what was he? He took a bad beat prior to getting eliminated. Well, or I something. know he lost with. I think he lost with pocket aces against yeah, pocket kings. Yeah, and, and then and then he loses two pocket aces. I think when he finally gets yeah. eliminated yeah. or something. So I definitely want to see his reaction, and and I think even more importantly for me is I want to see the reaction of the table. Because he was just so freaking annoying. I want to see I, some whining. I swear, I, I wish somebody had gotten <laughs> up and slapped him. I mean, he, listen, he wasn't being nasty. He was just being annoying for yeah, the sake of very, being annoying. Yeah, he's he knew annoying. how to get, he knew he had already had the people, he had gotten under their skin. And he just, you know, did it masterfully. I will give him that. He, yeah, he got into there. I don't know, even Jack Effel got involved in the episode that I saw, pulled him aside, even told him, we had this conversation two days ago, which would only mean it might have been the situation that our guest Stacy was uh, involved with him, you know, when, when he pulled his move on her. But, uh, you know, he was playing some solid poker. Don't yeah. get me wrong. He was playing some solid poker, but he was just getting under it. And then he went to talk to the one friend he had on the rail, and they had to keep bleeping him out, Dave, because he kept, you know, obviously using bad words. But he kept saying, I'm going to irritate these guys so much that they're going to donk off their stacks to me. So <laughs> well, he's, I, I want to see that. He's definitely been the star of the show this year. And uh, I wonder where it takes his career from here. But I'll tell you what. It's very annoying. And I'll be honest with you. If I did not know that he had been eliminated 17th, I believe you told me. I thought it was 18th, 17th. 
And when I was watching that episode, they were at 22 players, so I just assumed he'd be knocked out, you know. But the episode ended with only one person yeah, getting knocked a out. Weeks left. So there were 21 players left. So there's, he, he gets not, not the next, the fourth player knocked out. The only reason I was watching it because it was I was getting frustrated and pissed off watching this, the TV as Cliff Josephy was, and as I can't name the other players that were getting pissed off with him, but. It's just because I wanted to see his reaction when he got beat because I knew the circumstances. Now, be on Sunday now, night. But now if this had been a live or half-hour delayed telecast, I wouldn't be able to watch it because he was annoying the hell out of yeah. me so much. So since I knew there was a limited time restraint and I knew the results, which is one of the rare things I don't usually find entertaining about it, but because I knew it was the results, I'm, I am so into making sure that I watch when he gets when he takes that bad beat with the aces to the kings and then gets knocked out by aces or however the scenario turned out I just I want to see what his face looks like when he gets finally beat and the faces of the other players. Well, that all will be on Sunday night, so uh check that out. One more week of uh, shows uh this weekend and then the following weekend will be the uh, live November 9. Yep. Well, kind of live yep. anyway. Anyway, that's going to do it for the show. Thanks for being with us tonight. We'll talk more next week about the World Series of Poker and all aspects of this game that we love. Uh, Hope you'll join us on a regular basis. And uh, congratulations to Sam Panzeca for winning the Jacksonville tournament. And we'll look forward to uh, maybe talking to him at a later date. That's going to do it. Gio, thank you for everything. Joe, thank you for all your stuff. Congratulations on uh, getting a job. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. (laughs) And uh, hope it doesn't uh, keep you off the show, but uh, certainly we wish you all the best in that one. Thank you. That's going to do it. We'll catch you next week on another edition of Poker Action Line. The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies.